Hey, this is Steve Campbell from the C3 Church. Thank you for joining us for this podcast. Our prayer for you is that you'll be blessed, equipped, and enabled as you listen to this message. God bless you. Great to see you here this morning. Fantastic to be with you. Um, I I suppose I do want to start um, just by... uh, Giving honour where honour is due uh, a little bit this morning. Um, uh, as Katie said, I, I've joined the church just a, about three months ago, moved here from Northern Ireland. And, and I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you, uh, firstly and foremostly, to our, our senior pastors, Steve and Angie, uh, for, for the fantastic welcome that we have received from them, from the support that they've given us. Uh, we, we have genuinely, genuinely appreciated it. It has, it has gone so far and made this move just so uh, easy and wonderful for us. So, so I want to thank them. I also, also want to thank you as a congregation, uh, C3. Uh, I, I just want to thank you for your support, for all of the, the fantastic uh, conversations I've had, all the people who have walked up and said hello, the people who have said they're praying for us, uh, for, for all the invitations for coffee, all the practical stuff. Um, uh, thank you also for all the times when I've said something really Northern Irish and you've pretended to understand. I have genuinely appreciated that. If we could continue that this morning, by the way, that would be great. Okay, if you don't understand anything, just nod and smile. Uh, that would go a long way. Uh, I, I, as, as I suppose has been mentioned, and if you haven't noticed, I am from Northern Ireland. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, I don't have an accent. Okay? This is... This is just English as God intended it to be spoken, everybody, okay? Right, you guys may have invented the language, we perfected it, okay? So, so uh, the, the, you, you may hear the odd Northern Irishism, let's be honest, just let's roll with it this morning. Speaking of which, it brings me to my title this morning, okay? We're, we are uh, doing a, a new series, we're continuing, we're in week two of it, uh, called Supernatural. Uh, and as you can tell, perhaps, from the title, which will come up behind me, I have a slight challenge, which is that this is the title of my message, and the second word, therefore, in Northern Irishman, is quite difficult to say, okay? It feels almost cruel on my first time up here that I have to say that word there, okay? So I've changed the spelling because it's obviously incorrectly spelled. We are talking today about the power of the Holy Spirit, everybody. That is not, that is not a golf reference, okay? That is nothing to do with that. It is to do, it's the same meaning as the English word power. I just cannot do 30 minutes of saying that word, okay? Why don't you turn to your neighbor and say par? If you don't know how to do that, you want to practice later, just pretend you're a pirate, go R and put a P at the front, okay? That's all you need to do. So, uh, and I suppose I want to take an interesting angle today on this, Uh, and I want to talk about preparing for the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Many times, you know, I I think I could stand here and I could talk about what the power of the Holy Spirit looks like. But I think for, for a lot of us in the room, if you read the Gospels and Acts, you kind of know what that looks like already, okay? We know that it looks like miracles. We know that it looks like the supernatural. We know it looks like answers to prayer. We know it looks like, you know, breakthroughs, all of these different things. I, I think we kind of have a rough idea maybe of that. And furthermore, if we don't, if there's anyone here and you don't know that, we're going to talk a lot about that over the next few weeks. We're going to talk about the gifts and the voice of the Holy Spirit, uh, baptism of the Spirit spirit, all of that stuff. Um, but, but I suppose I have had on my heart 
really the last few weeks, and I've mentioned it in a few different contexts. Uh, I, I wrote a, a devotion about it. Some of you may have read. Uh, I, I mentioned it to church online uh, a couple of weeks ago as well. Um, but I've had what, what I believe is a little bit of a, a, I suppose, a word on my heart for us as a church in this season. It's, I, and I just cannot get away from it. Um, and so it's based on this passage in John 4, and I want to take the angle of preparing for the power of the Holy Spirit. So uh, the, the verses will come up behind me, and we're going to read them for us here. It says this, John 4, it says, Just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, What do you seek, or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? Then they went out of the town and were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and accomplish his work. Do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life so that the sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap for that for which you did not labor, Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Um, so so, so here's, here's where I want to go with this today. Jesus is talking to, this. the context of this is that he is speaking to a Samaritan woman outside the city walls at a well. Uh, and basically she, she get, has a dramatic conversion, uh, comes to faith then and there and runs off into the city to go and tell people, come and you know, meet this guy, Jesus, and, and find out for yourselves about him. Whilst he's there, the, the disciples come back and they, they start talking about food. And Jesus says, look, the fields are white for harvest. The fields are white for harvest. He says this. He says it's four months. He says four months until the harvest. We think that this is probably, he's just referring to the time of year, okay? So uh, four months to harvest in Cambridge is about late April. And Jesus is standing in a field in the equivalent of late April. He's standing outside the city walls. Now, if you've ever driven past a field, say, say a wheat field in late April, uh, you'll notice it's probably, it's, you know, it's muddy. You'll see a scarecrow. Uh, I said this before. But you might see Theresa May going for a run somewhere in there, okay? Uh, and what, but the main thing that you will notice is that it's green. It will be a green field because the wheat is, the, the wheat is not yet ripe. It is not ready for harvesting. But Jesus is looking at this field and all the people are streaming out of the city towards him. In those days, uh, colors were expensive, so people basically wore plain off-white garments. And so he's saying, this field, which looks green, is turning white. And it isn't turning white because the harvest in the natural is ready. It's turning white because the harvest in the spiritual is ready. It is turning white with people who are coming to me. It is turning white with people who are ready to come to faith. It is, it is filled with people. And I feel that there is, I suppose, a word from God in this for us today. 
I believe we have seen a lot as a church over the last years and decades. We have seen phenomenal stuff. We have seen lives change. We have seen people come to faith. It has been fantastic. But, but, but what I sense is that, that God, and what I feel God has put on my heart, is that that is like the equivalent of the salvation of one Samaritan woman compared to what he wants to do in this city. It, it is not that that is not great. It is fantastic. We glorify God for it. We worship him. But you know what? We should not be like the disciples and settle there and break for lunch. Okay, we need to press in and do more because to be honest, there is an entire town which is on its way to Jesus. And when Jesus looks at this city and he looks at Cambridge and he looks at Bury St. Edmunds and he looks at the surrounding areas where we might go down the road, I am convinced that Jesus sees a white field ready for harvest, everybody. He is ready to bring his power to this area. And we have to not be satisfied with what we have seen so far. I am convinced that Jesus is not done yet. I'm convinced he's not resting on his laurels, whatever that means, okay? I don't know what a laurel is or why you would rest on one, but nonetheless, he's not doing that. I think he wants to do more. I think he has called this to be a year and a fresh season of harvest in the life of this church. I am convinced that he wants to do that. I I think that we have seen a lot, but it is a drop compared to the deluge that we're about to see, okay? It is a flash compared to the full flame of what he wants to do. I think that Jesus sees the potential for harvest in this city. And I think that we need to be prepared for the power of God. Uh, New Year's is, is an interesting time. We're still in January. It feels like a long January. Anyone felt like it's a long January so far? But nonetheless, we're still in January. Uh, and often we view it in the world, in society, um, as a chance to make a change. Uh, and it absolutely is, by the way. Okay, anyone, anyone do New Year's resolutions this year? Yes, a few of you. Anyone broken their New Year's resolutions already this year? Anyone resolved to not lie and want to put their hand up now so that they keep that one? Yes, right? I, 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 uh, I was thinking of starting a gym called Resolutions. And uh, in January, it's just an overpriced gym. And then from February on, all it does is sell pastries. Okay, that's, that's what I'm thinking. Uh, we, we, there's, there's something about uh, a new year, which, which is an opportunity to make a change. Um, I don't think from God's perspective necessarily that, that a new year means something dramatically different. I don't think he's sort of relaxing in late December, waiting for January before he gets his act together. But, but I do think that often for us, if we will do something different, we will move in a, in a new way, we will act in a different way, we will see something different of God. So, so when I'm saying that, that I believe that God has a harvest for us, what, I, what I'm not saying is that this is some sort of automatic, this, this will happen just by virtue of it being a new year. Rather, what I think is that God is saying, there is a new thing that I want you as a church to press into, to move into. And if you do that, you will see a harvest. There is an urging from him that if we shift, if we move, we will see something more. So how do we prepare How do we prepare for the power of the Spirit? If we want to see something different of God, what is it that we need to do? Uh, Firstly, I think it starts with seeing. It starts with seeing. We have to open our eyes. If we go back into the story, it's interesting. 
Jesus has had an incredible conversation with this woman, uh, and she has gone from sinner to seeker to save to evangelist. I wish I could find a word that began with an S there, but I couldn't. So sinner, seeker, saved, evangelist in five minutes flat. Okay, phenomenal, phenomenal salvation. And she goes into the town, and the disciples come back, and there is literally a town walking towards Jesus at this moment. And the disciples sort of turn around and they see this and they go, here, Jesus, do you know what we should do now? We should break for lunch. That's what we should do. And Jesus is like, look, I, I, I'm, I'm a little bit busy, guys. There's, there's something going on here. And the thing is that they don't let up. They, 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 they go again. It's like, no, 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 seriously, we should do lunch. That's what we should do. They've got this big opportunity. Let's do lunch. We just went to a new burger place called McDonald's. Okay, it's fantastic. Thomas got a Big Mac. Thomas, what do you think of the Big Mac? I'm loving it. That's where the slogan came from, everybody. 2,000 years ago, Thomas and the disciples outside the, the, the walls of Samaria. Uh, and uh, it's, here's the thing. It's like they don't see what's happening. It's like they don't see what Jesus sees here. And so Jesus' first words to them before, before he goes, hey, there's a harvest, he says this, lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes. We could phrase it this way. Open your eyes. Wake up. Pay attention. See what I see. Do you not see all the people coming towards me right now? And you're thinking about lunch. You're thinking about your stomachs when I'm seeing souls. Right? You're thinking about a meal. I am seeing a multitude. He is saying, you have to open your eyes. You need to see what I see. I think the first step to pressing into a harvest and a year of harvest is that we need to lift our eyes. We need to move from meals to multitudes. We need to move from lunch to the lost. We need to lift our eyes and see what Jesus sees. Do we recognize right now that here in Cambridge, there is a city that desperately needs Jesus? Do, do we recognize that, that there is a town that is walking towards Jesus? I believe they are walking towards Jesus, not because humans innately seek God, but God is seeking them and stirring something in their heart, and they are walking towards him. And the first thing that we need to do in order to see this is we need to open our eyes. I have a, a, I suppose a small confession or, or uh, yeah, I'll, throw, I'll say, we'll phrase it as a confession uh, for you guys. Um, if you ever see me on the far side of the street and wave at me, there's a, a solid 80% chance that I won't wave back, okay? And that is not because I don't love you, okay? Not because you're not amazing. It's because secretly I have slightly dodgy eyesight, okay? I really need to get glasses, but I don't like how they look on me, okay? I, I want to go straight to laser eye surgery. That's the plan, okay? Which I'm hoping by that point will be what it should be, and they install a laser in your eye so you become like Superman. That's what I would like. Okay. Nonetheless, I, I do not see you on the far side of the street waving at me. I see a person on the far side of the street waving. And there have been too many occasions in my life when I have waved back gleefully, hello friend, good to see you, and walk over to them. And I have never met them before in my life. They were waving at someone near me, and I'm the sad, lonely weirdo who's desperately stealing everybody else's waves, trying to make friends on the street. Okay, I've been there too many times and I don't want to do that again. So I will not wave back probably unless I see you up close. I, I, the point is I, I am a little bit nearsighted and I think we can be spiritually nearsighted. I think we can be spiritually nearsighted. Do you know what? If all of our prayer lives 
if all of our faith, if all of our goals are focused on us, if all we do is pray that we would advance, that we would do more, that we would get more, and we often do this, by the way, it's not that those things are wrong, but that's lunch. That is lunch. And do you know what? There is something wrong when all your focus is on lunch and there is a harvest in front of us. There is something wrong with focusing entirely on lunch when God wants to bring a harvest. We need to open our eyes. If we want to see the power of God, if we want to see the power of the Holy Spirit here in C3, if we want to see that this year, we have to start by seeing things as Jesus sees them. We need to begin by opening our eyes and seeing the city that Jesus is already reaching and inviting us to be part of it. We need to open our eyes. We need to we need, to, we need to see what Jesus sees. That's the first step to, I believe, preparing for the power of the Holy Spirit. The second step, uh, I would say, is this, is we're going to need to work hard. We're going to need to work hard. You know, does the fact that God is promising a harvest, does the fact that God is saying there's a harvest for us, does that mean that we get to just sit back and relax right? You know, does that mean, okay, well, God's going to do that. I'm just going to go and watch Arsenal grind out another draw and, and you know, come uh, and just hope that God shows up. I, I worked for a, um, a church planting network uh, for, for several years, and, and we, we were right on this. Uh, we, we talked about church planting and that it was difficult. That was one of the things that we, we did. We, we challenged people. This is not an easy process. And, and church planting is, is difficult. We often think in church that planting is the hard bit, and it is. You have to break up the ground. You have to plow. You have to sow, okay? And you meet church planters, and you ask them how they're doing, and they're tired, and they're, you know, they have bags under their eyes. They're exhausted, okay? Every single one of them, all from different cities, but all happen to be the witchcraft capital of the world or something like that. You know, they're all, they're all, there can't be that many capitals, right? Uh, and uh, they are finding this hard work. It is hard work, but then when we, when we talk about harvesting, we say, oh, it's a time of harvest. Everybody starts shouting and celebrating like that is a big holiday. I have, I'm not a farmer. I know nothing about farming, except this. Harvesting is the hardest time of year for a farmer. Harvesting is the hardest time of year for a farmer. Harvesting is good, but it is work. It is not time to go on holiday. It is not time to take a break. It is not time to sit around. It is time to get to work. Harvesting is hard work. Jesus himself says this. It's interesting. He goes, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work doesn't say accomplish his relaxation. He says accomplish his work. It's interesting because Jesus, the reason he is there in the first place, the reason he ends up talking to this woman is that he's tired. He's already tired from the journey. He sits down by a well. And yet suddenly in the midst of that, he sees that there is work to be done and he gets to work. He realizes there is something that needs to be done. He doesn't get down in the dumps. He gets ready to go. Why? Because it is harvest time. It is time to harvest and harvest means work. Sometimes we think that work is a bad thing. Sometimes I think we imagine that work is, is, is you know, is, is awful, that it's, it's frustrating and it's tiring and all of that. And there is a side that, that work is, it can be difficult, but work is a good thing. You are working right now. Your, your brain is working, your heart is working, your lungs are working. 
The only thing that doesn't work in any sense is a dead thing. Right? If you work in HR, don't hire a dead person. Okay? They, their output levels are low. Okay? Work is good because it is a sign that you are alive. And I am thankful that I can be in a church where there is work to be done. Because it is a sign that it is a living church. It is a sign that it is alive. It is a sign that this church is not dead. That this church is doing something. That this church is accomplishing something. And there is work involved with that. Because it is a living and active church. And it is good sometimes to be tired in the work of the Lord. It is good to be tired. It is good to work at times. It's not to say that we should burn ourselves out, not to say that we should never relax or, or never take a break. But there are times and there are seasons when you sometimes have to grit your teeth and just push through. That, that is reality. It is reality not just in the secular world, not just in physical work, but in spiritual work as well. If Jesus had consulted his feelings here, he would not have reached this town. He would have gone home. He would have had lunch. But Jesus was doing something else because harvest doesn't consult your feelings. Harvest is a short window. You go too early, it's not ripe. You go too late, it's dried out and died. You have to go then. You have to go now. You have to be ready to go. And Jesus recognized that this was a season of harvest and he got to work. And I think for, for us as a church here in Cambridge, do you know what? It isn't just Bury St. Edmunds who are going to be doing work in this season, okay? They are planting, but everybody, we are harvesting. We are harvesting. They are, this, this harvest time is short. This harvest time is, is a moment in time. It is a window when we have to work, when we have to move forward. And sometimes that means you've got to go, I don't need food right now. Okay, I, I don't need a McFlurry right now, guys. I don't need chicken nuggets right now. I don't need a Happy Meal right now because there is a harvest to be won. There is work to be done. There is something that is happening in the spiritual and there is work that has to be done to bring in the harvest, everybody. This cannot wait. If it is harvest time, it is time to go. If it's harvest time, it's working time. Sorry, by the way, if this message has felt like subliminal McDonald's advertising. Okay, that is not the case. I have not been endorsed by them in any capacity, just so you know. There is something true in this. I, I have seen the power of God poured out and used through multitudes of different kinds of people. The old people, young people, different skill sets, different personalities, different preferences, different political positions. The power of God used and poured out on them. I have never seen the power of God poured out on passivity, ever. God, the Holy Spirit is not going to empower you to do nothing better. Right? He's not interested in that. As Steve said this uh, the other week, it is always an anointing to it is always an anointing to accomplish something. It is an anointing to do something. The power of God is there for us to do something. Third thing that I believe the harvest will require of us and what we need to do to prepare for the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to subtract in order to multiply. Jesus had to skip something to do something better. He had to stop something to do something else. 
It's interesting, Jesus juxtaposes in this food and a meal and the harvest. Sometimes we have to skip a meal to bring in the harvest. My, my favorite food, everybody, just so you know, is, is a pizza called Chicago Town double pepperoni stuffed crust pizza. Does anybody else know this pizza? Has anyone else? Yes, yes, thank you. I feel like I'm doing an altar call. There's another, there's another. This is the best pizza of all time, okay? It is the tr- it's better than Pizza Express, better than Pizza Hut, better than Domino's. It is the true pizza messiah, okay? It is the best, the pinnacle of pizzas. It is my favorite food and one of my favorite things in a given week or month, depending on how healthy I'm being in that season of life. One of my least favorite things is I've never harvested, so it's not that, but it's gardening, which is as close as I'll ever get. I detest gardening, okay? I hate cutting the hedge. I hate cutting the grass. The garden is just another dirty room that I have to take care of. It's awful. The idea of growing a tomato plant to put on a pizza Don't want to do that, okay? Of growing wheat to make dough. Don't want to do that. Of growing a pepperoni tree. Uh, I don't know where pepperoni comes from. It's just fantastic. I'm sure it's vegan. Here's the thing. Eating is easy, but harvesting is hard. But sometimes you have to stop eating to start harvesting, right? So we all love to sit and enjoy church. I love being in the service and taking notes. I love that. And it is good. That is like a good meal. And you need to have a good meal. You do need that. But putting on church is harvesting. Putting this together so that other people can eat is harvesting. It is the work that needs to be done. And sometimes you have to skip a meal in order to bring in the harvest. Sometimes you've got to do something better and skip something good in order to do so. Sometimes you need to make sacrifices. Do you know what? We will not have a church to enjoy if we are not putting on that church ourselves, right? If we're not building that church, if we're not bringing people to that church, the power of the Spirit is not going to be poured out on us unless it is poured out through us as well. And we need to sometimes subtract in order to multiply. We need to skip lunch to see the power of God poured out. We need to make sacrifices. This is a a biblical principle, by the way. Jesus did this. Jesus subtracted in order to multiply all the time. You know, in this instance, he subtracted lunch to bring a harvest, but he subtracted the glory of heaven to bring in the lost all across the earth. He subtracted the position and praise that he was due to come and be amongst us and to bring in a harvest. Jesus subtracted in order to multiply. He did this, and if he did that, I can sacrifice to see him move in this church in this season. So I think if we want to prepare for the power of God, we need to do these three things. We need to open our eyes. We need to work hard. And we need to subtract in order to multiply. We need to do that to see the power of God, to see this harvest. I want to close with, uh, with an encouragement though, because sometimes this can seem like, oh, that's quite a heavy load that, that you know, we're asking something, and there, there is a sense, there is work here. There's there's difficulty involved with this, but but this isn't this isn't some sort of brutal, awful challenge, right? This isn't CrossFit. We've got to pretend to enjoy it, right? You know, and tell everyone about it. Uh, this isn't that. 
Jesus here says this. He says, my food is to do God's will and work. What he's saying is that there's something that's more satisfying than anything else. Something more life-giving than anything else. There's something more, 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 more invigorating. And that is to do God's work. He's drawing strength from what he's doing. He's, if you notice, the food seems to get forgotten about as Jesus enters the ministry and does what he is called to do in that moment. He's getting joy. He's getting strength from serving people. Because here's the thing, you cannot outgive God. You cannot outgive God. Doing God's work is always going to be better than getting another meal because you cannot outgive him. You will always get more back from him than you give out to him. You will always get more in return. You will be more satisfied, more blessed, more fulfilled at the end of having given out to God than you were at the start. He will do more in your life as you give to him. He will, absolutely. So I'm believing for a year of harvest. I'm believing for a year of the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm believing for it for more than just one year, but I think this year there's a shift in emphasis that we need to press into. And I think we do it by opening our eyes, by working hard and subtracting in order to multiply. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We pray it's been a blessing to you. Why not share it with your friends and family through social media? If you're not on the regular podcast list, then why don't you subscribe? Thank you especially to those that give. If you want to give to this ministry, you can go to our website, thec3.uk slash giving and get involved. God bless you. Oh, 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 oh,